I'd ask you all please to welcome Claire to Mulaney. <clears throat> Now, Claire had been um, working in the environmental movement for several years uh, with the Wilderness Society specifically when burnout arrived and she came to realise that she'd become disconnected from the very thing that she was trying to protect. But what was interesting was the way that Claire went about uh, choosing to, to, to change her life was she undertook to do a, a retreat um, in the bush somewhere a bit south of Grafton uh, for a whole year living without the things that most of us regard as essential to life, including the aforementioned matches. Uh, one of the unusual things about the way that she did this was that she wasn't alone. Like, while she was living alone, she was doing it with five other participants on this property, each one of them who was trying to do the same thing. And it, the, 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 the book is, is an outcome of this process. So. Claire, can we start mm. with perhaps an understanding of what it was you wanted to achieve by doing all sure. this? Sure. Um, I guess it was wanting to achieve not achieving anymore. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a sense of, you know, I wanted to just slow down and really... It was, it was like not, a, not so much a, a mission but an, an, an open-ended question. I was deeply curious about what would happen if I took myself away from my work all my, you know, my relationships, my family, my familiar environment, and put myself somewhere that I had to survive off my own wits, that I didn't have any, you know, to-do list for the day, that I, all, my only um, task was just to deeply immerse myself in nature and observe the changing face of the bush and, and the changes in myself. And, you know, I was, I was looking, I wasn't just looking for a walk in the park. I was really looking for a, a life-changing experience, something that would really radically shift my way of being in the world. And, um, you know, I don't do things by halves generally. And when I heard about this year-long program where I could observe four seasons in one place and not have the computer and not have the phone and, and the challenge of building my own shelter and lighting fires with sticks and, yeah. you know, that, that kind of challenge element really appealed to me, like really testing my edge and getting out of my familiar um, comforts. Yeah. And but but it, it turned out in the end that, that, that those things were not actually the most difficult challenge you had to face, was it, really? Well, I mean, there was, there was the kind of physical challenges and then, and then the internal challenges, which, of course, arose during a year. Um, but the physical challenges were, were, pretty, um, were pretty hard at times, especially arriving in summer with, uh, you know, the heat of summer and having this challenge of building my shelter with natural materials to keep me dry and warm for a year. Um, and then the, the whole process of, of lighting fires with sticks. I mean, the, initially the physical challenges were prominent, really prominent. But then as the year progressed and as I spent more and more time alone and I guess um, got myself a bit more set up, then that set the stage for the kind of hibernatory period of the year where it was more the, the internal challenges that arose. And how long did it take you before you were able to light a fire without, without matches? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I, I had this, I had this image of, of um, you know, just gracefully making this. I saw a woman make fire a couple of years before that, just with sticks, and she just seemed to do it so easily. And it was with the indigenous method, you know, one stick on on one board, and it was just the most magical thing I'd ever seen. But so I, I made a, a really firm commitment: I would only light fires with sticks the entire year. And it was 
the biggest teacher, the hardest lesson I've ever faced was, was this commitment I made. And three months into the program and all I'd made with hand drill was huge blood blisters the size of 20 cent coins on both palms and a lot of smoke and a lot of swearing. And luckily I had another method that called bow drill that um, successfully mostly made fire so I could still eat and keep warm. But at three months into the program, I started to despair that I wouldn't ever get fire. And then um, I decided to change tack. And instead of, you know, just absolutely gritting my teeth and pouring everything into it, I decided to try easier. And I, I tied a blindfold around my eyes. And I focused not so much on how much dust I was collecting in the notch, but just the sound and just the feel. And that was the, the key that unlocked the door, or opened the door to fire. That's when the relationship really started to shift, and that's when I first got a call. Now, there's a, a yes. strong focus in this book of, of, of the idea of trying to do things without trying. Oh, uh, yes. And, and it, it, this always seems to me one of the most frustrating mm. expressions of the New Age mm. movement that there possibly is. I mean, it seems to be specifically designed to beat yourself up with. You know, you, you're trying to, you're, you're trying, trying too hard. hard. You've got to try without trying. Well, like, and, and my instructor... You just want to kill somebody, Oh, I really. know. Tell me about it. You know, my fire kit used to... I used to hurl it at the tree. My instructor, my fire instructor said, trying negates the effort. And it was like this conundrum, you know, how can I want something so badly? How can I be so passionate about something, but yet give up the trying? And really, it was one of the key questions that um, carried through the year. And it was really this, this it was one of the, I, I guess, the goads that took me really deeply into my personal process of learning how to be accepting of myself just as I am, but still be as passionate. So still hold such, um, I guess, uh, you know, passion and motivation for life, but to give up the kind of striving and the grasping. And that's, I realise, was such deep conditioning that, you know, there's, there's the passion, but laden on top of that is the need to perform, the need to have things to show for your day. Uh, the need to tick things off the list and have your key performance indicators. So this question really carried through the year, how can I love something so much and let it go? And fire was a really key teacher in that, um, in that process. And it was, you know, I found that it was a dance between the proactive and the receptive. Sometimes it's, it's time to really just grip onto something and, and pour yourself into it. And then at some point, you've just got to take the easier option and, and let it go. And that's when sometimes things start to shift. Yeah, I do remember somebody in my life telling me, you know, it's all right to be half-assed about things occasionally, Stephen, and, and I <laughs> just couldn't deal with this concept yeah. at all. You know, you know, who, who's going to give me brownie points? Exactly, if I'm we're such we're such little doers. You know, yeah. we, we just we just want to keep doing like little energizer bunnies, but sometimes just going slow. You know, and 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 learning to walk slowly was a, was a, one of those things. You know, like really deliberately slowing my walk down to a pace that felt in sync with. The forest and at first it felt really artificial but then after a while I'd slip into just naturally walking at what I called earth time and you know there was periods of grace and then periods of being back in the clunky busy distracted mind and and now I mean it's interesting because all this happened Claire was doing this in 2010 yes or, yeah, so so you know and the book came out in this early this year early June this year early June this year so 
I mean, it took you, after, after that year, there was a period of, of reflection or something like that, and then eventually you got this, you sat down and decided to write a book, yeah? Yes, in a nutshell. It took me three years to write this book. I thought it was going to take me a year. Yeah. And it was, a, it was another process of trying negates the effort. You know, you had to be disciplined, and I learned, you know, I'm very good at discipline, so I sat there four hours a day absolutely writing. But then the creative process doesn't work like that as well. I learned you had to... Sometimes the best thing I could do was take a couple of days off and just walk and let it all tick over. So it was, a, it was almost the continuation of all the questions and all the lessons that I learned in the bush was the, the wilderness of words that I entered into. It seems to me it, today um, that the political... Uh, the government that we have, the political mm. situation that we've come to, mm. is that the, the, the government is trying to destroy almost mm. all the achievements of the conservation yes. movement that we've got yep. over the last yep. two decades or something. They're trying to get rid of them all in one fell swoop. As, as somebody who was, for years, an, a, a kind of an activist, an mm. active activist, shall we say, how is it for you now not to be part of that process? Or are you still part of that process? There's two questions there, I guess. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm glad I'm not on the front line during this po particular political um, era because it would be pretty difficult, you know, and I take my hat off to the people that are. But I guess I, I now see activism in a much broader sense um, and I, I lean on Joanna Macy's theories around this of, um, you know, activism is, is kind of the way she sees it and the way I see it is it's three different um, aspects. There's the holding actions, the, the kind of campaigning that I was doing, saving species and so forth. There's the creating the new, the renewable energies, you know, all the new ways of doing things that are going to replace yeah. the old. And then there's this other part of it, which is shifting um, values, shifting, changing hearts and minds. And that, for me, is addressing the root cause of this ecological crisis that we're in, which is our inherent separation from the earth and the disconnection we have from where our food comes from, where our water comes from, from the, the elements that, you know, that keep us alive and that we're inherently connected to. So I feel like I see activism as, as all that and that we need it all. We can't have one without the other. Um, so, and I feel like I'm much more suited to the changing hearts and minds and the shifting values and the kind of eco-psychological part of this ecological crisis. But I, you know, I, I also want to... I think we all need to support each other's actions in all those spheres. So I live in Newcastle. It's the world's biggest coal port. There's going to be a flotilla. No, 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 on no, the not not for long. We're we're, we're well, working. We're, work, so we're working hear. working for it in Queensland. Well, yeah, yeah. I think we still we still take the cake for it at the moment. Okay. So, you know, so there's there's an action I'll go to in a few weeks, and I'll paddle my little kayak out with with hundreds of others, and and kind of put my banner up. But so I'm supporting that kind of activism. But then I'll this is this is my activism at the moment. Is this like you said in my introduction? It's the rewilding of our of our hearts and minds so that. We're more um, amenable to, you know, to changing the the direction that our society is going in. Well, thank you very much indeed, Claire. That's marvellous. I w wish you all the best with it, and I wish you all the best with this fantastic book that you've got here. Thank you so much for having me, Melanie. Oh, you're our pleasure. <laughs> we could chance together, Claire.